Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and this is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today we are very excited to be talking to you about the film that was, when was it? 1995. The 1995 film, Screamers. long forgotten by those who settled it. For Commander Joseph A. Hendrickson, it is worse than hell. It is home. What are they? There is a new terror in their midst. We call it a screamer. It was developed for us by Alliance on Earth to neutralize the war on the ground here. How do you know it's dead? And they yanked this brain out. Pretty smart. Yeah, maybe too smart. This one seems to have modified itself. It was designed to protect them from their enemies <laughs> until it turned its sights on them. Are they alive? No one knows. They make themselves now. I heard the screaming, and then it got very quiet. Nothing except the smell of death. <laughs> Chuck, we got a new kind of screamer. He was like a person. What are they supposed to look like? Oh, you mean who are they supposed to look like? They're smarter now. That's how they get into our bunkers. Once it gets inside, that's when the killing starts. Now, the only way to tell man... He's one of them. ...from machine... <laughs> ...is by the sound of their scream. <laughs> Ain't what they used to be. Okay, so Chris, had do you have a synopsis for us? I do. So Commander Joe Hendrickson, played by Peter Weller, and new recruit Ace Jefferson, Andy Lauer, set out across the surface of Sirius B, which is a planet, where they hope to settle a violent labor dispute at a remote mining outpost. After going too far to turn back, they find the desert riddled with deadly screamers. Created to protect the mines, these burrowing weapons have learned to replicate themselves. To make matters worse, recent generations of screamers can assume humanoid form. So All that's right. A synopsis. Yeah. Had you ever seen this before? I had not. Nor I. Nor I. So what did um, you what did you think? I don't like to be too cavalier about it, but it sucked. <laughs> I, mean, I, I I try to be mature and take this seriously, but I really thought it had a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did watch the whole thing. I enjoyed watching Peter Weller. Um, he's just interesting on screen. Like I just like Peter Weller, but his dialogue, all of the dialogue in it is weird. Um, He's like this almost 40s fast talking like, well, you got listen, kid, you can't do this kind of thing. You know, this is not the world for that anymore. You, know, you got to grab yourself by the britches. And it's just. I was like, what is happening? You know, and then literally everyone else in it is terrible. <laughs> I mean, the woman that is his co-star in the second half of it has a few moments where it it's OK. But the other male leads in it are, it's just, I thought the concept was cool. I thought the concept of them having made, you know, um, sort of AI, basic kind of AI defense robots that then have figured out how to upgrade themselves and that goes so far beyond what anyone would have imagined was pretty cool. And I thought that, you know, there's a sort of a realization that he makes in the middle of the movie that, you know, this is a a war that's been going on for 10 years. And his realization was sort of that they're just stranding him up there. Like they're going to 
basically try and resolve the war, but there's no cost-effective or elegant way for either side to bring these people back from this planet. So they're just going to leave them there. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, you know, from a, in a sci-fi multi-planet um, society, that that kind of um, plot element was was really interesting. Like you were, you've been waging this war dutifully for command back on Earth, and then you kind of realize that they're just nobody cares about either of you anymore, and you're still fighting out of habit. Um, but the bigger problem is, is that they're not going to let you return to Earth. You know. Mm-hmm. You know, I I like that. I like that on paper. I was like, well, that could be a really good movie. It just wasn't wasn't on screen. <laughs> what did you think? Yes, I'm pretty much the same. I mean, I got halfway through this or so, and just felt very perplexed because we had talked about doing this for a while, and it and part of the reason why I was bringing it up is it kept coming up on these lists of hidden gem sci-fi movies. And then even um, looking for the trailer, I would see all these videos. This is one of the best sci-fi movies that you haven't seen. And all these people were commenting and saying, oh yeah, I love that movie. It's great. Really? It's yeah, got like a 23 I, on Rotten Tomatoes. That's Yeah, that's true. But it, but it, uh, I don't know. This film has people who, who really love it. And I just, this was a slog to get through. I mean, it's boring. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously a pretty low budget movie and the, the budget, I didn't feel really harmed it all that much. No, that's not necessarily a problem for me. No, I mean, it looks like nineties sci-fi television. Um, but, you know, most of the movie is Peter Weller and this other guy going through the, the desert and going through these. Uh, I don't know where they shot some of this exactly, but they the one thing I would say, they these locations that they use that are just these big, empty like factories or something. I don't know that made for a good setting, um, but just so much of the movie, nothing happens. And I just didn't care. Um, like you said, Peter, well, you know, Peter Weller's likable. Like I, you know, he's fine. Um, they, there's a scene early on where they encounter. So these screamer things, they burrow under the ground and you see them. It's a lot like, uh, what's the, what's the movie with Kevin Bacon where the big worm things come out of the ground? Uh, what's that called? I don't remember. Oh, okay. Anyway, it reminded me of that where it's like, he's, it looks like they're going to bust through the sand and they never do. But you find out that these things have, um, they've, they just left them, the people that created them and they evolve over time. And now they can look like people. So Peter Weller and the other guy are going through the desert and they find this child who's been orphaned. And it turns out that he is one of these screamers. And then there's a scene at the end where they're. And I thought, just let me interrupt you for one okay. second, because I thought that was a pretty cool sci fi um, concept. Yeah, yeah. This sort of robots, these defense or, or killer defensive robots that were programmed to be able to self replicate uh, have figured out how to sort of upgrade themselves. And there's different models. There's one, you know, they essentially they look like little orbs with sort of blades. And but then they see one that looks somewhere. It looks a little bit like um, a chameleon or a rat. You know, it's it, it's sort of an uh, clearly an evolution from the sphere. But then they meet this kid and, and the, the they meet other humans and it, the other humans on the other side. Uh, have a name for him, call them tagalongs, I guess, because mm-hmm. it's a kid and it's like, can I go with you? You know, and it doesn't have a bunch of uh, explanations, but convinces you to like take you with him wherever you're going. And then when the thing is inside your bunker or whatever, then it's a killing machine. <laughs> I just thought that 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 it's like the Terminator where they have evolved into saying, oh, 
these are a model that are designed to infiltrate. Um, and it turns out that there are other models and, and the, the chapter three, the third act of this movie is they realize, well, if it can look like a kid, uh, it re really, any one of us could be, um, uh, a robot also. And then yeah. they all, they're, they're on paper anyway, you realize they're supposed to be sort of like in the thing concerned, yeah, exactly, yeah. you know, suspicious of each other, but the acting and the dialogue, the dialogue is, is poorly written, but the acting is terrible. Mm -hmm. And they meet, you know, there's a woman and, uh, two other guys. And one of the other guys is super high strung and really on the edge. And then the other guy is, gets his jollies by, you know, tormenting him and nudging him and pressing him. And alternately you think it's, Oh, it's that guy. And then you think, Oh no, no, it's gotta be the other guy. And it's none of it's just, none of it's done very well, you know? And basically everybody turns out to be, you know, it's like, Oh, this guy, he's one. And then the girl, she's one, you know? Right. I don't know. But the, so at the end, a bunch of these, excuse me, a bunch of these kid robots <clears throat> have infiltrated their base and just all those kids are coming out and they're shooting them. And that was one of the only decent scenes in the movie, but I thought it was funny that, so these things have gotten smart enough that they can, uh, you know, uh, form, take a human form, but they make a bunch that just look exactly like the same kid <laughs> instead right. of being different, it's not kids, different you know? kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, it's like so. the Terminator. It's like they all look like Schwarzenegger. Yeah. That model, the T-101s all look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. So, I don't know. The, going into this tonight, I thought, what are we going to talk about with this? Because this movie <laughs> is, I would say, it's not the worst made, but I would say this this is probably my least favorite thing that we've done on the podcast mm. because some of the other movies that we've done that were really bad you like know kind of course you could laugh at it there's yeah. something about it that you're like look at those outfits like this is their war room it's dark with red laser light and a smoke machine <laughs> yeah kind of like on the one hand that's the dumbest thing i've ever seen and on the other hand, like that's a really cool place to have a conversation it's like a lounge where they're going to talk about their war plans so this this one was not at all a so bad it's good kind no, of movie. It that... was it was earnest. It was completely in earnest. Mm -hmm. And I, and I got to thinking, okay, you know, this would have been the kind of movie that you maybe would have caught on HBO in 1995. And I was thinking, you know, back then when I was in school, would I have enjoyed this movie? You know, maybe I don't know. You've seen so many better movies since then. Maybe at the time I would have liked, but I don't think I would have even if I'd seen this drunk at two o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night, I would have enjoyed this. It's just right. there's just, you know, the uh, I this made me think of a few months ago. I watched Hardware from 92 or 93, something like mm -hmm. that. And it's probably a similar budget. You know, that's another movie that you can you can see the cheapness of it but they did a lot of fun things with that movie. And it's just pretty crazy. Um, you know, if you're going to do a sci-fi movie at this budget where you cannot compete with special effects with a bigger movie, do something fun with it. Yeah. I don't know. And I was surprised. I looked at the, I don't know what the budget of the movie was, but it made this played in theaters and made $5 million which is amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes me think of the Blade Runner franchise where you have this future where the machines are indistinguishable from human, basically. Of course, in Blade Runner, they're not machines. In the 90s, you know, you, you cut the Terminator's face off and it's a robot underneath. And here that, you know, that somebody shoots the kid and his chest is blown open and it's just a bunch of you know, gear work and machinery inside. And you think, well, you know, if they were advanced enough to grow human tissue on the outside, 
why does it have to be all clockwork on the inside, right? Mm-hmm. And and Blade Runner, I think, sort of elegantly answers that. It's not. They're organic. You know, they're they're designed and grown in vats, and they're completely organic. But yeah. they are also man. They're also designed. Um, and then the fun you get to have with it in Blade Runner is how do you tell them apart? What can you do in performance, and and how can you distinguish the quote unquote robots from the people when they're basically built of the same stuff. Right. And, yeah. and then you, and then you really get into the question of like what makes us human versus why are they not human, but we are, is it because they're designed, right? They don't have a soul because they were grown instead of born, but you'd never know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's that really plums that question of how do you define it when it's really indistinguishable? And there's really none of that. There's a little bit you can tell it's supposed to make your skin prickle when the kid turns out to be a robot and that, oh, man, maybe they're even more advanced than that. You know, but I think that's the source material. I don't know that you could give the film credit for that. I didn't read. It's Philip K. Dick's book. Yeah, I I found that out afterward. Who knows how, you know, similar this is to the story that he wrote. I have no idea, but. And everyone smokes. Did you notice that? Like it was making me cough just watching the first half of this movie. They're playing a game, you know, they're gambling and they're gambling for cigarettes. Everybody on this whole planet chain smokes. Um, And there's radiation where they're mining something and somehow the mining of it releases a ton of radiation. So to protect themselves from the radiation they smoke these red cigarettes and an alarm will go off and it's like radiation warning you know light your reds and everybody takes out a red cigarette and lights mm-hmm. that and he peter weller explains to this new recruit that lands i guess they crash land um and there's a whole thing that gets lost there like everybody on his ship dies but he's like oh we're you know He's got a totally different mission. I think this is what sort of tips off Peter Weller that that um, they're getting played. You know, is that is they were on some different mission and crash plant landed on this planet. He becomes Peter Weller's sidekick on this journey, and he's maybe one of the most annoying characters I've ever <laughs> seen on screen. Mm-hmm. And that's not unusual to have one of the sidekicks or the sidekick, like Midnight Run. Or, um, you know, the Lethal Weapon 3 with the, um, uh, what's the guy's, Joey? Okay, uh, okay, um, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, 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 okay. 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 But, but, you know, it's done, if you do it right, it's endearing. You're like, this mm-hmm. guy is so annoying. But you love, you love the rapport between the characters and you love the annoying character. Here you just hate this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and Peter Weller hates him. He's like, well, you shut up. And the guy can't. And we're also like, please shut up. You know, well, just, and you're supposed to feel sad at the end when he gets killed. And you don't. You're relieved. You're yeah. like, finally, he's not going to be able to yammer anymore. Because he's also a terrible... He, I, I don't want to say that this man is a terrible actor because I don't know anything else about his work. But this is a terrible performance in this film. I know I've seen him before. I don't know what... Uh what else he's been in andrew lauer was in Eh, it's not wanting to load for me so it Um, it doesn't matter yeah um you know uh yeah i mean when we were talking about zardoz or even when we were talking about um kill and kill again like there was just a lot to um chew up and like laugh about and and you know what was that about and in this one you just kind of like i see what they were going for they didn't achieve it the source material is interesting but the execution of this is just you know the things that are supposed to scare you don't and the things that are supposed to be like shocking visual moments aren't it's a fizzle it's yeah, twenty twenty three or twenty four on Rotten Tomatoes. It's just not entertaining. Yeah, that definitely. When I looked at Rotten Tomatoes, I thought, okay, that that seems, you know, that seems right. But but like I say, I you know, I kept wanting to watch this because I saw 
a ton of things. It's like, oh, this is one of the best sci-fi movies that you've you've never heard of or never seen. And I was just like, where are people where are people getting this? I I don't understand. Did I I and I, I thought maybe we'd we would get on here and and uh you know, I thought maybe there was something wrong with me. I'd get on here and you'd be like, I really like this, but you know, I was nope. just it's just dull and like I said, we were careful slog. not to tip our hands either because you were like, oh, I just finished Screamers and I texted you back. I watched it last night and we didn't say anything else about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it would be more interesting that way. But I, like I say, I, I went into this thinking, what the hell am I going to say about this movie? Because there's, you know, it's not even, there's not much to the plot to dissect or, you know, and there's not even, you know. I mean, we could tell it. We could sit here and we could explain the minutia of which this. So it starts with this crazy voiceover scroll. Yeah. It's like in the year, whatever, you know, we discover a new mineral, you know, blah, 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 or whatever. And it, and we find out there's a planet you can mine it off world. Forgettable name B6 or something. And it just goes on and on and on. So the mining syndicate then they, they decided that, you know, blah, 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 the trade guild, but Earth didn't like that. So it developed. And then it was a war, but the war was fought on the planet, not on the Earth. And you're just like, yeah, yeah. And it goes on six times as long. It mm-hmm. just keeps going. There's a new paragraph. It's like, so then they developed the screamers, which were, you know, and just like, oh my God, shut up. But the movie starts and there's a, this guy like delivering the message for them to, go on this, you know, buddy road trip walking thing. And one of the screamers comes out and like chops his arm off. And right. I thought, oh, maybe this is, you know, it wasn't a bad ending. And, um, you know, the the effect of that looked pretty good. And they never really do anything like that ever again in this. And it's like, well, if you're going to, if you have a low budget, you know, maybe you can put some gore some good gore throughout the movie, but they don't even do that. Right. It's well, just... I think if you have a low budget, gore is one thing you can lean on. And then the other thing you can lean on is really, you know, it's like telling a ghost story at, at the campfire with the light under your chin is you just have to really sell it. You know, you, everyone has to be really horrified by the stuff that they see. And when they're in the thing and they're afraid that the kid might be behind them, you have to make that, you have to really build that tension and make that really scary. And when the kids reveal, that's really scary. And so when you have to rely on a potentially expensive thing, like showing the inside of the dead robot kid, um, you can, you know, you can carefully spend your money on trying to make that look you know, as shocking, but all the rest of it's got to be performance and you've got Peter Weller, right? Mm-hmm. But all of the other people in this are just, I mean, they're just not doing anything. There's the crazy guy that sort of accuses the other one of being a robot is supposed to be the sort of, he's a kind of an archetype. He's the like been underground too long. Like he's, he's, you you see him and he's like drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels or something, standing on an I beam across an open space. And you're like, oh, I get it. He's the crazy one. And he's supposed to be like scary, crazy, like I don't give an F anymore. Right. And they keep doing these close up shots of him. And in the dialogue sometimes is like. They're like, you're crazy. And it'll do this really tight shot of him with a special on his eyes, which he, you know, he has kind of what he thinks are wild eyes and his mouth is just hanging open all the time. And he goes, I know you are, but what am I? I It's (laughs) that kind of stupid. Yeah. And and you're just like, where did you get this guy? And what are you saying to him as a director? And I just couldn't get my head around it, you know, because he's the loose cannon. He's supposed to be the guy that makes it harder for them to, you know, they're already in a tight spot and they're underground, right? And they now think that there's might be one of them among them and they, you know, that they're really don't know if they're going to be able to get out of there. And he's the guy that's making it harder by ratcheting it up the tension and like kind of not playing along. And he's a wild card and a loose cannon. And you need like a Bill Paxton or, you know, you need somebody who knows what they're doing to carry that off. 
in the right way. And you, you do not have that in this guy. No, no. So it's all just. You know, a movie that does a good job of what you were talking about, you know, that you basically, if you don't have a budget, you need a, a really good, compelling story. Have you ever seen, and this was around the same time as this film. Have you ever seen Cube before? Is that, is it a Hellraiser type thing? Or is it like the, the Cube is a sort of a weapon that. It's, uh, it's these people and they wake up inside a room it's like several people and they wake up inside this booby trapped room and it turns out that um, they, it's just a series of, you know, the cube is, is the room that they're in. It's just a series of those. Of, there's like thousands of them. And um, each one has different kind of traps. And I'm going from memory, not having not seen this in a long of time. Cubes is like they're the, that they're just one in, of many different cubes. Yeah, exactly. So, and they all look exact. And, and so it's very smart the way they do it in the film because they can get they, in and out of it or yeah, they can get in it. They, you know, they have to, Oh, you like go through a door in a featureless white room and you're suddenly in another featureless white room, but this one has different deadly murder traps. Yeah, essentially. I mean, it's not, it's not white, but, but yeah, so they have different, and, they, and it's like, they have to figure out the puzzle to get out of this, Oh. giant thing that they're in but it's really in the and the people have different attributes you know so they've been chosen to you know i've tried to figure out why they're there that like i say i'm going from memory on this but paladin dwarf elf yeah a little bit magic a little, user yeah a little a little bit Valkyrie. like that right but what's really smart about the the film is they and there are a couple of times where they show you a little bit outside of the room that they're in but it's they only had to use one set because it all looks exactly the same, right? Every every cube that they go into looks identical to the previous one. So they didn't have to spend a lot of money on um you know sets, obviously. But it's a compelling story because you're trying to figure out why these people are there and, and the characters are trying to figure out why they're there and they're arguing amongst themselves as they're as they're getting killed um, and they have really creative ways that they get killed. Like there's uh, there's one room where it's just a series of just all these metal strands that make kind of a mesh that, but this, this guy gets, it just passes through him and just cuts him into thousands of little pieces, you know, and they just fall to the ground after well, he's there's got a killed. moment in that of like in one of the resident evil movies of that too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like that, but, um, so it's a smart usage of a really low budget cause it's, it's written well and, you know, and the acting is, is pretty decent. So, uh, again, I haven't seen it in years and years and years, but, uh, yeah, this doesn't do any of that. You know, it's just, Again, it's a dull story and a dull just, story, dully told. Yeah, there's just nothing. There's nothing fun about it. I'd like and to by have the more... end. You're supposed to care, and you just don't. You don't care. And about it's anything. like you care about Peter Weller, right? But yeah, the only person in this movie you care about. And it's like the the guy that you're talking about, who's the loose cannon guy. Throughout the whole thing, it's like, is he a screamer or is he not a screamer? And the, the end, it's like, guess what? He's the screamer. You know, <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's Did just, he turn out to be? I don't even. I, I don't even remember. That's what I. I could be wrong, but that's what I thought. Because so he break kills it down. The, so at the end, he kills right? the sidekick guy. Yeah. Yeah, right. he's a screamer because he kills the sidekick guy, and the sidekick guy is shooting him, and it's kind of like the Terminator, where you know the. The bullets are bouncing off of his face, but revealing the 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 metal underneath and all of that. So, so was it? This would actually be more interesting. Now it's just occurring to me now. This would actually be more interesting if this were true. So, was everyone they found on site a screamer? Because the woman is the woman is, and she had a. There was another one that looked j just like her. The she showed up later again. So the loose cannon guy kills the other the other guy right. that they find the guy that lands place. on the planet the, the 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 sidekick of peter weller is human we 
we can assume that because mm-hmm. they, they're trying to kill him throughout. And so we know he's human. So, but these two show up and, and find three people, two men and a woman. Mm-hmm. And at first we presume that they're all human because we don't know. Then we realize, oh, one of them might be a screamer. And the, the crazy guy who is constantly taunting, he's like, oh, see? Because the other guy says, keeps saying, shut your mouth or get off me, get off my back or something like that. And he says, oh, he's a screamer. See, he just keeps repeating the same thing. And he kills him. He throws a knife and hits him. And Peter Weller pulls the knife out and there's blood on it. And he's like, you just killed a human. So that guy... That doesn't prove anything. I mean, there's going to be blood, right? Right. But I it's you're just kind of left to assume that that guy right. is human because it's never, there's never anything else that happens that makes I you see. think oh, all that it, guy, but you know, then it turns out that, so then you're like, so then if, if the crazy guy was a screamer the whole time and the woman was a screamer the whole time, why did they not kill the one human they had among them? Like what was the point of that? What were they waiting right. for? Yeah, exactly. And why did the crazy guy, you know, why did the woman wait till nearly the end? Why did the crazy guy wait until And then you think, the okay, well they're trying to get off planet, like they're trying to get back to Earth, and for whatever reason there's a single-use spaceship but it only responds to some sort of a commander. I mean, there's like some thin explanation of why they couldn't have just gotten in it and flown away. They need Peter Weller basically to activate it. Um and he tries to get the woman who is a screamer has apparently fallen in love with Peter Weller and has sort of evolved to be like, I don't want to do it anymore. Right. But then another one of her shows up and kills her and tries to kill him and he kills it. So you're supposed to be like, Oh snap. Like they can evolve to be more human. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Uh, And he gets in the thing and he's flying away and the kids for some inexplicable reason, have like a little teddy bear that they carry around, all of them. So this kid, you know, you meet one and he's endearing and he's got this little raggedy teddy bear that he's clinging to. And then there's a whole legion of them and they all have little raggedy teddy bears. And as he's flying away, the the, uh, Twilight Zone ending is the, the, the little raggedy teddy bear. There is a little raggedy teddy bear like lying on the floor of the cockpit of the thing and it starts to move. So you're right. like, oh, it's also an autonomous creeper, screamer, whatever they're called. And then you just don't care. And you turn yeah. it off and you're angry because why did you spend all that time watching this terrible movie? Exactly. <laughs> and if, again, I went into this with high hopes that this would be good. And there are sequels to this. Uh, what? So, yeah, yeah. So I don't How? know if... Why? Uh, so there... Uh, is Peter Weller in them? I do. So there is... The Screamers. All right. So Screamers, Screamers, Screamers. There's Screamers 3. Screamers 3... Oh, that's in development. Wow. Hmm. There is Screamers. Uh, there was a 2009 one that looks like Screamers the Hunting. I wonder if that's the part of the same. Screamers yeah. the Hunting. A group of humans arrive on Sirius 6B to investigate an SOS signal sent out from the planet, which has been supposedly deserted since the destruction of the man-made weapons known as screamers, blah, 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 blah. So that's from 2009. That was made. It has a 4.7 on IMDb. Um, so that's at least one sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, I there, there's two or three of them. So... Like I say, I went to the end of this sort of with high hopes that maybe this would be good and maybe the sequels would be good, would be good. But it's just like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to watch the sequels to this. <laughs> yeah, invariably, the sequels are worse. I was just thinking the same thing. I'm like, please don't suggest we do this. Please don't suggest we do no, this. No, 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 no. 
We do have some other things that we're looking at doing that I think could be good. Dark City is one we've talked about several times. Yes. And you wanted to do uh, Suicide Squad, right? Which is going to come out on HBO Max. Yes. I'm going to go and see it in the theater, but but it's on HBO. It hits HBO Max Friday. Uh, So, yeah, if that works for you, I know we're going to record a little bit um, later in the week than we normally do on that. But but yeah, if that works for you, I'm definitely going to go and see Suicide Squad. So I'm pretty excited about it. Okay. I'm actually going to be traveling for the next week, um, which is not to say that I couldn't watch it, but I'd prefer to not watch it on my phone. And where we're going to be is there's a lot of people in close proximity and sure. times and stuff. But I could, you know, certainly watch it the night before we record. Yeah, yeah. that ends up being... Um, so I'm just kind of thinking just to sort of to fill the time a little bit and just, you know, so we can talk some, uh, yeah, have you else? watched, we can just kind of talk about random. Oh, so this one is a thumbs down for me for sure. Yeah. Let's I, wrap it up. Likewise. Yeah. Don't waste yeah. your time. Yeah. Just, it sucked. Like you, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said it sucked. Um, have you watched this uh, new Star Wars animated thing on Disney, The Bad Batch? Have you watched any of that? I have watched a couple of episodes of it. I haven't like kept up with it. I generally like, uh, you know, to me, there's something about the concept of it that sort of strains a part of my sci-fi brain. I'm like, oh... But aren't clones all the same? But these are a ragtag A team of like misfit clones. Some of them are one's a sharpshooter and one's a big Hulk and one's a. And then it turns out, oh, they were part of an experimental program that the Empire was blah, blah, blah. And I was, it just feels conceptually that feels a little thin to me. I was like, okay. Um, Execution wise, those Star Wars animated uh, shows, and there are a few of them, there's Clone Wars and Rebels, and there's several seasons of Clone Wars and a handful of season of Rebels, and now this, and there may be even one more. I don't know, but overall, they're very well done, um, I think. I watched all of the Clone Wars animated stuff and really uh, got into it, and the voice work is terrific. And the animation is uh, it's pretty cool. Um, so I don't know. Have you been watching it? No, I kind of forgot about it, to be honest. I knew that it was coming out. And then when I went on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it popped up and it gets gets high ratings. My thing with these and, you know, maybe this is just me. With everything that you could do with animation with Star Wars I don't know why they keep returning to this kind of clone wars era. Yeah. I, I, for the life of me, I do not understand why they don't do an original trilogy animated series. Cause you right. can have Han and Luke and Leia and, you know, doesn't matter who's alive. It doesn't matter. You know, you know, Harrison Ford probably isn't going to come back to do right. A voice, but you can get somebody that sounds like oh, Harrison man. Ford. You, you the know? voice talent on these animated shows are so good. Like I watched a documentary about voiceover and the guy who does Obi-Wan Kenobi is, you know, he's a super pro. He does tons and tons of voiceover work. He can do just about any voice. And he was talking about how he, they came to him and they said, we want you to be Obi-Wan Kenobi in this time period. And it's basically, um, sort of between what we've seen on screen. It's sort of between Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan and, um, um, oh, damn it. What, what, what's the guy's name who plays Obi-Wan Kenobi originally? Uh, I can't oh, uh, Alec Guinness. Yeah. And, and sort of, and, and Alec Guinness. And so he said, but they said, we want you to totally do your own thing. And so he illustrated that he could do a perfect, um, Ewan McGregor. And, you know, he said, uh, he said, I've got a bad feeling about this. And he said, he sounded just like him. And then he goes, and, he, and on the other hand, then you got Alec Guinness. And these are not the droids you're looking for. And mm-hmm. it is perfect. You're like, oh, man. And so he said, so what I wanted to do for the show was just I sort of split the difference. And then he starts talking in the voice he does of the animated Obi-Wan. And it's literally just like if you you see those 
applications where you could take a face A and face B and right. sort of morph them. He did that with his voice. So you wow. could totally hear having just done one and then just done the other, how he just in his brain just kind of split the difference. And without when you know that you can hear it, but when you just see it, you think, oh, man, that sounds just like Obi-Wan, but it doesn't sound exactly like Alec Guinness or mm-hmm. Ewan McGregor. It sounds like Obi-Wan if he was Ewan McGregor when he was young and Alec Guinness when he was older. It's mm-hmm. just brilliant. And there's one guy that does all the clones. Wow. Right? So there's one person who voices all of the clones and the Clone Wars is full of clones. Like there's obviously there's just legion of them that are, you know, officer two, nine, six B, whatever. But there's a number of them that are known characters that are, Mm -hmm. some of them are older and seasoned vets. Some of them are good friends with Anakin Skywalker. Some of them are, you know, kind of crack commandos that you call in when the going gets tough. And, but they're, but genetically they're all the same. So, this voice actor has to do the same voice and put enough spin on it so that it sounds like it's genetically all the same person. But you can tell them apart when they're all standing around with their helmets on talking to each other. And he does it and it's flawless. And you're like, that is incredible. Mm-hmm. That's insane. I think why they stick with that era is a couple of reasons. One we hop right over it in the uh, cinematic movies, right? Yeah. So the the prequels bring us right up to Order sixty six or whatever, and then and then we kind of as we go from one movie to the other, movie two to movie three, we skip to later in the war, right before he becomes Darth Vader and the sort of the end of the Clone War and the rise of the Empire, right? Um, and I think they thought, well, there's a ton of fertile ground where we can have battles and we can do exciting stuff in there and we can really explore the character of Anakin and Padme and these characters that we sort of raced, feels like we raced through in the early movies. Um, and then that was so successful that they did a spinoff called Rebels that I think is pretty good too, but not as good. Um, where it's just a totally different set of characters in a different part of the galaxy. And it's the sort of seed of what becomes the Rebel Alliance. There's sort of a bunch of little pockets of resistance. And this is one of those little pockets. But what they kind of drive drive toward throughout that series is the idea of these little pockets of resistance coming together to form a more formalized um, Rebel Alliance. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, And so that makes that interesting. And then I think with the Bad Batch, they just were like, look, we've got all of these renders on the computer already because it's CGI. Mm. It looks it's got a pretty good feel to it, like hand drawn animation is, but it's all CGI. Um, And so they got all the renders and they're like, you know, we have the cast, we have the renders, we just need scripts. Why don't we, you know, well, I don't know, the Bad Batch. And it just starts to feel like the concepts are getting a little diffuse, you know, like they're kind of grasping at stuff now. Yeah. Rather than saying doing one from like 300 years earlier or or in the old Republic. Right. I mean, there's all this other canon stuff. Right. That has only been explored in books and comics and stuff that I frankly haven't read. Mm -hmm. Um, But it seems like at one point they had talked about doing a Darth Vader thing and people would watch that. Sure. They would, I don't know. I mean, it just, maybe there's not the interest that I think there would be, but I have you, it, it just seems like considering Disney, you know, it feels like Disney is going to just milk all of this for everything that it's worth. I have of you, course, of course they are. Yeah. Yeah. But have you seen any of the, um, now they're movies. They haven't really done series, but uh, have you seen any of the stuff, any of the animated stuff that DC has done? Any of their animated movies? Most of them are bat have to do with Batman. But... I, think I saw the Killing Joke, and yeah, you know, I've seen so some of that. Some Batman, of them are the good. animated series is great. Oh yeah, the animated series is great. But they have done, they've been making them for years, and they bring out two or three. They've done Suicide Squad movies, and some of them. 
you know, the, the animation is better on some than others and some, the storytelling is good and some. That was is... one of the things I loved the most about Batman, the animated series was the style. Yeah. It really went, it really harkened back to those detective comics. It's, it's so dark, it's dark alleys and mm-hmm. stark, you know, him silhouetted against the night sky and it's, you know, people running and down an alley and going through bars of light thrown out from open doorways and stuff. It's it's really in a noir feeling. It's great. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But and they're I think not they're, all of that style. I think they're bringing that back, too. I think they're going to make new Batman the Animated Series in that style, I think. And whoever um, did the voice for Batman did a terrific job, too. Yeah. I totally bought that. And that with guy's really and good. Bruce Wayne, yeah. But, again... I don't know why Disney doesn't do something like that too. Do and they could just be one-off 90-minute things, but do original trilogy things with just Han and Luke and Leia and uh Lando, you know, on adventures. It, you know, it could take place between Empire and Jedi or whatever. The other thing is I don't know why they don't do Indiana Jones animated stuff, you know? Because doesn't matter what age Harrison Ford is, you know, for that, you can have it take place in any era that you want. He can well, be any age, yeah, you know. Like I was just saying, you can get a voiceover talent that can, you could get somebody who literally does an indistinguishable Harrison Ford. Yeah, person. Mark but Hamill does, can do that. That you know? doesn't seem, um, that has never seemed in vogue. I think I think they do that if you had Sean Connery for, you know, three weeks and you shot him out and then you needed to do some ADR and you didn't want to pay to get him back. Mm-hmm. You you had somebody that could do, you know, Hollywood has these people that that's your go-to if you need a Christopher Walken line or two dropped in, but you can't get Christopher Walken or you don't want to pay for him again, right? And then that person just comes in, does a little ADR dialogue um, while you're showing the back of Christopher Walken's head or he's off screen and you can't tell the difference. You'd never would have known. Right. Mm-hmm. So but when with animated stuff, they seem to like to have people be like, you know, you're the artist. You know, let me let you off the leash here. And, you know, we we definitely want to evoke Harrison Ford. You know, it needs to feel in it, like this is young Harrison Ford or old Harrison Ford. Right. But we don't need you to do a Harrison Ford. And somebody would nail it. You know what I mean? Somebody would nail it, something like this. And you'd be like, that's perfect. (laughs) You know? Yeah. They can dial it up. Voice artists are amazing. Oh, yeah. The ones at the top of their game are really amazing. But that was one of the things when I thought that I thought, again, you know, I'm not a studio executive or anything, but uh, I thought. Oh, why are we doing that? I thought you were a studio executive. I know, I know. But that I thought, okay, when Disney takes over, they're just going to be doing a ton of stuff like that. You know, they're an animation. They started as an animation studio. Sure. And I thought, okay, we're going to see animated uh, Indiana Jones stuff. We're going to be seeing animated uh, Star Wars stuff, all different eras. And who cares if it's great or not? People are going to watch it. You know, like I say, people are obviously watching these DC animated films, some that aren't too great or they wouldn't keep making them you know uh i don't know it's it's just weird to me that's the thing it's kind of like going back to the getting off on a little bit of a tangent here is with the new trilogy that they did um that you have that first star wars movie the you know the force awakens which was fine i i liked it i liked all three of them i mean people sure. people I they were fun yeah people you know hated certain ones but you have this opportunity. Everybody wants to see Han and Luke and Leia back together, even if it's just for one scene and you don't do that just seems like such a giant miss. You know, I mean, it's almost like, okay, you don't have to do fan service, but they did fan service in other ways, but it's almost like, Oh yeah, everybody wants to see Han and Luke and Leia together. So we're not going to do that. You know, it's just, just seems like, yeah, just was very odd to me that they, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That hadn't occurred to me. Um that is a good point. I so, mean, I like those. I like the new movies. I like um And I like Solo. Yeah. yeah, I did too. And we talked I mean we talked about that a couple of weeks is ago. Is it as but... good as the Empire Strikes? But, you know, no. no. But I don't I think there's a certain point at which I realized 
that six-year-old in me that had it hook, line, and sinker from the very beginning. I mean, I think I've finally outgrown it, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And I went and I saw the reboot and I had, I'm like, well, okay, that was a really overstuffed turkey. And I could, like a fanboy, I could talk about this stuff, but I, I didn't really care. I had fun. It was, I enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I just realized, oh, okay, I think... I think I'm, you know, I think I finally aged out of feeling like it's, I have ownership over the property in some way. Right. Know? Yeah. I definitely feel like with some of the, you know, all this Clone Wars stuff, I feel a bit like, okay, this isn't made for me, which is fine. But they also are doing stuff that is made for me. You know, you look at the Mandalorian and that's, yeah, they're you know they they've done a really great job of balancing that to appeal to everybody. They did you know, a you great get, job in that. Yeah, I you tell get, you when when Luke Skywalker showed up at the end of that. Spoiler alert. Sorry, <laughs> uh, I had tears in my eyes. Yeah, I really did. And I you know I'm almost fifty years old, and I was like, it's Luke. Yeah, and there was that six year old again. I thought, man, this is just and Baby Yoda. What a touch of genius. Like if you're trying to sell little trinkets and action figures and puppets and stuff, slam dunk. Yeah. But as a hook, I mean, just what a, what a fantastic concept. And you know, you're like, okay, well it's not Boba Fett, but it's a Mandalorian and you get Pedro Pascal, who's great. Um, And, and then you're like, oh, and here's Boba Fett. (laughs) You're like, oh, snap. Yeah. They brought in Boba Fett. And again, that was such a balance of new and old where, you know, there were people who, who watched that series who maybe had never seen any of the star Wars movies before, or maybe had only seen the newer movies, you know, and hadn't seen, hadn't watched the empire strikes back. Yeah. And so even, you know, I remember when you first saw the ships slave one and I was like, Oh, Holy shit. Boba Fett is back, you know? And, so that kind of stuff and Luke showing up, that was clearly meant for us. You know, yeah. if you're a person who you've only seen the new movies or you've only seen the prequels or whatever, you don't have any attachment to Luke Skywalker. Right. So him coming in, that was for the original fans. Yeah. So I, I think, uh, and you know, there's been a lot written and, and talked about with the job that John Favreau has done with that show. Um, you know, that again, just what a great job of making something that's going to appeal to so many different people. I agree. That's, hey, that's the thing I want. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. What? I, I, I am sorry to do this. I'm hearing oh. in the background on my end that there is some family drama going on. Okay. And, uh, I am being summoned to um, get involved. Okay. So I'm sorry to be so abrupt, but let's call it for here. And we'll discuss offline. Uh, oh, I guess we're going to do, are we doing, we're going to do Suicide Squad. Yeah, Suicide Squad will be next. All right. Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. Hit us up on all the socials and um, thank you so much. And I'm sorry to cut this short, but you know, family calls. Yep. All right. So we will talk to you next week.